0: Welcome in. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm joined by the, in the, the. I don't want to call you indomitable. What do I want to call you today? The scribe. I'll call you the scribe. The the oh, soothsayer. Uh, one Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, our X's and O's expert. Uh, Ian, how you doing today, bud? Pretty good. <clears throat> indomitable.
1: Good. That's a, that would be an interesting title.
0: Yeah, I I, I always really my my uh, young kids like the indomitable snowman uh, from the Christmas story, and so I always go back to that word uh, whenever I'm, you know, failing to to name somebody something that's kind of cool. But uh, without further ado, i want to get into this. Enough about us and our uh, interesting uh, issues. But long story short, Longhorns play today. our play Saturday uh, against uh, the Jayhawks. Texas six and four on the season right now. Uh, uh, Ian. What are your thoughts uh, going into this game for Texas? Uh, What do you see as must-dos for the Longhorns?
1: I I do think that finishing eight and four is a lot different than finishing six and six or seven and five. Um, You know, Sark has got the seven-win Sark moniker that dogs him a little bit. Um, It's not really that big a deal if he's seven and five, so long as the necessary breakthroughs come next year. But eight and four would be better. A better bowl game is better. You know, it'd be nice if they could play some uh, talent depleted, opt out depleted high profile team in a bowl game and get a nice big win for momentum. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, this season is going to miss the mark because I think the big 12 was wide open and uh, they could have won it with a better season that I think would have been possible. And they were held back by probably mostly by quarterback play. So uh, at this point, you kind of just want to see if, if viewers can take any steps before the off season.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think yours make, you know, a lot's been made about it. And I think that that those first four games that he was out really cost Texas later into the year. I mean, yeah. With those four games, does he go into Oklahoma State and look kind of stunned the first time he sees a, a difficult uh, an, another difficult defense after Iowa State, or is he more accustomed to these checkdowns that Sark talked about uh, on Thursday in, in his press conference?
1: Yeah, more snaps certainly would have helped uh, more. Maybe some success, too, some early success. Um, he had some, but like that Oklahoma game was obviously fool's gold. Um, uh, yeah, it, it would have been it would have been beneficial for him to have played more earlier in the season, just like just like last year with Hudson Card would have benefited if he could have been the one to to beat to blow up Rice and and, uh, and Texas Tech. But
0: so yeah, it's, it, it it's happens. Really it. yeah, it happens. I mean, things are what they are. I mean, we're we're looking at a situation now Ian, where Texas has got to get going um, and pick up the pieces and they got to go win in Lawrence tomorrow. Uh, Kickoff at 2:30 on uh, FS1. Uh, the Jayhawks have their own uh, positive momentum that they're riding right now. Um, they they are bowl eligible for the first time since I think 2008. Uh, so they are uh, in a new uh, found su- level of success for them. Uh, Texas fighting to get back to the level of success that they've that that they've missed uh, the last several years. Uh, Before we get going further, uh, Jerry Hamilton's going to join us in about 10 minutes. Uh, Jerry's going to be talking a lot of basketball. The Longhorns, I was in the um, Moody, I almost called it the Irwin. I was in the Moody uh, Center on uh, Wednesday night for the big win over Gonzaga. And I'm telling you, that place was hopping. It was a lightning atmosphere. I mean, it was just tremendous. Uh, I want to talk to Jerry about that because Jerry has... Uh, a lot of basketball contacts, uh, obviously, and um, uh, very uh, astute about basketball. Want to talk recruiting as well. Uh, but first, I need to say thank you to one of our sponsors, or actually the sponsor of this Longhorn live stream every Friday, and that's Andy Ludeke. Uh Andy is the owner of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Andy uh, essentially takes people that are interesting in owning their own business, uh, go, takes them through a, uh, you know, 15 to 20 question sort of tutorial tries to get them know that to get to know them better, their uh, abilities and uh, their financial capabilities, et cetera, and then match them with a franchise uh, of the thousands that are out there that make the most sense for them. Uh, you can reach him at Andy at my uh, That's Andy at my dot I know some folks that uh, have hooked up with him and had, a lot of success uh, in the franchise world, Ian. Uh, we we mentioned uh, the I mean, Bobby, football game.
1: A, sorry, forgive my ignorance. Is this year one for the Moody Center?
0: Yeah, oh, it's movie? not just year one. It's it was it's that's the first big game they had. A, they had a, another game in there, but this this is a, they've had a had a a practice game or a, I don't even know what you would call it, exhibition against yeah, Arkansas. Then they have one other, and then they had this, and they just. Uh, it is the first year, and so they opened the new arena, and I'm telling you, it is absolutely uh, a terrific, terrific venue. Chris Del Conte, uh, the folks in uh, facilities at the University of Texas outdid themselves with this. Um, it is adjacent, uh, basically, to the football stadium, uh, just up the hill there, uh, so it's it's Closer than the Irwin Center. The Irwin Center, you had to cross MLK to get to. It's on the same side of uh, MLK, so it's a little easier for students to get there as well. Um, Not a ton, but enough uh, that it might make some difference every so often, especially if there's a second uh, half that's getting tight and not in the whole crowd's not there. You know, some guys might be able to come up from Jester or wherever. But it's just a, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal venue.
1: I was no stranger to the Irwin Center when I was a student. We, they had uh, Marcus Aldridge and P.J. Tucker, then Kevin Durant, D.J. Augustine. Um, and that, I mean, whenever people complained about how quiet it would be later, I, I would say, well, it can be loud. I remember there were times when the Irwin Center was but not an amazing venue, though.
0: Yeah, no, it was never. So I've been there when it's loud, too. We, when I went to school, there was the BMW, Lance Blanks, uh, Travis Mays and Joey Wright. And they went to the Elite Eight. Um, And it was also a time that was the same year they had an incident called Strollin' Nolan. I don't know if you remember that or or had heard of that. But Nolan Richardson was so pissed off at a call that at a technical call that he literally strolled into his own locker room during the middle of the game. He wasn't kicked out of the game. He just walked off the floor. Then the game went into overtime and he he suddenly showed, showed back up on the sideline. Arkansas eventually won that game. Uh, But that was one of the uh, uh, best things I saw. Uh, Some folks uh, saying about the student section, I'll go over a little bit of that as well, especially when Jerry gets in. Um, We talked a lot about the offense um, and missed opportunities uh, this year for Texas football. Uh, Ian, I want to stretch that out a little bit uh, because I think it's also been a missed opportunity for the defense in some ways. Uh, What we've seen of late is a better defense, right? But they weren't. They didn't come out. Other than Alabama, come out, you know, killing it. Uh, but they've had a couple of games where they have done well. I, I just, I wonder at what level we talk about complimentary football. The Texas Tech came, game comes to mind. The Oklahoma State game comes to mind. You can, you can say that the TCU they, they, they played more than well enough to win. But did the Texas defense really play well enough to win against Oklahoma State and uh, Texas Tech, in your opinion? I I feel like a lot of the – what I'm saying here is it's not just the offense that has had its down times during this season.
1: Yeah. I think the Texas Tech game definitely hangs around the defense a little bit. The Oklahoma State game, I mean, they they failed in that game. But the quirk of that game was that um, this defense is good. Because, primarily, because they have like two or three real difference makers in the secondary, and uh, Jalen Ford has played really well. The nose tackles are obviously very good, but Ryan Watts, Jade Barron, um, those two guys are like all Big Twelve players, and uh, and Jaron Thompson and Anthony Cook are like I don't know, all honorable mention, right? But when they ha- when they have all those guys out there clicking. That is a very good secondary. And uh, the Oklahoma State game, obviously, you know, Anthony Cook was – he was knocked out of that game, right? That's when he broke his arm. Ryan Watts knocked out of that game, and they just kind of fell apart as the backups came in. So uh, that game – I mean, that game is going to haunt Texas. They were beat in that game, but it was kind of just, you know, eighth game in a row, injuries caught up to them. Texas Tech is definitely a game that will – context is I don't think anyone covered themselves in glory in that one but overall I mean again it's th- this defense is going to finish with some pretty lofty rankings they're going to have improved at every single position uh, they're going to put some guys in the NFL which was not the talking point for the season so um, to me it seems more like distributing credit on defense is, is almost more the story than distributing blame
0: yeah I, I feel like we're in this uh, situation, uh, essentially, uh, where Texas uh, is, as, as much as you want them to be the well-round, a well-rounded, successful football team, they're still, I feel like they're still trying to get better and raise the entire level of the program. Um, and, and so whenever folks talk to me about Texas and, and where they're at right now, I feel like that's kind of where I come out is Texas is not a dominant program. They're not, they're not a year away from being a dominant program. They're a year away from being much better, but I don't think anybody's looking at Texas next year and saying, this is a 12 and O team, uh, etc. cetera. Um, they could get lucky. I mean, TCU is not a dominant team and they're 10 and 0. So, I mean, there's a level there. I think that we all agree with, uh, but, uh, they're still not, they're not going to be super, um, experienced next year. They'll have a lot of, uh, experience on the roster, but they won't be like abnormally, um, uh, old as far as the roster is concerned. When you have a sophomore quarterback and you're going to have a new starter at running back, you know, don't know what's going to happen at receiver. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Offensive line will still be relatively young, even though they will be more experienced.
1: Receiver is the big one. I mean, we we'll, we have a long offseason to talk about it, but there's, uh, to me, receiver is the big one. And then, what happens to the secondary in the offseason is the other is the other big one. Because I've noticed, uh, Bill Connolly's noted this before of ESPN, formerly worked with him at SB Nation. Passing game, offense and defense, returning experience there matters more than anywhere else. Uh, you can get you can get by with an inexperienced offensive line, inexperienced defensive line, um, especially if you're if you're bringing in like second, third year, fourth year guys that maybe just haven't played yet. But it's hard to win without experience at receiver in in the secondary. I mean, go look at Alabama right now, right?
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that that's that's part of it. Is they you it, people want to make make these guys. Um, uh, and we're welcoming in Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three as well. Welcome in, Jerry. That, that we're, we're talking about these guys have, as if they're replaceable objects, right? And they're not. You don't just bring in a new guy and he's exactly the same as the guy that you had before. And you, so you have to coach him up. You have to build him up. The difference nowadays is you have the portal, right? And what I've been uh, saying, and I know Jerry and I have talked about this as well, you know, you may lose a senior uh, to the NFL, like Anthony Cook, for example, right? The the issue with Anthony Cook, though, uh, as it relates to, to this, is that you, know, you could go find another guy as experienced in, as Anthony Cook in the portal that's actually started as many games as Anthony Cook has at Texas. Used to, you couldn't do that. You'd have to go to the junior college route if you wanted an experienced guy. Um, and so I think that those stats that you talk about, Ian, as you talk about returning passing game defense, I think it does depend on who they replace people with. If it's a newcomer that's a freshman or a sophomore that has no experience, it's different than if they bring in a
2: senior with that's a three-year start.
0: Uh, Jerry, what are your
2: thoughts on that? What's that?
1: Um, well, I, I think I
2: think I think there's merit to it. Um, I think what's going to be interesting from what Ian said is how is it going to change five years from now? Like it's like, I agree with what he's saying and I think it matters. I just don't think it's going to come through high school development anymore. Um, I don't. So I guess my point is I'm not sure there's an excuse for a major program to be inexperienced anymore. I mean, I just don't think there is. If you're a blue blood program in basketball or football, Why would you be an experience that like it it shouldn't happen anymore? I mean, so I think that's where the portal is going to take things in the future. I mean, and I hate to tie this back, but I want to tie this back to football is a much larger scale. But I watched Texas bully Arkansas off the court in basketball by 30 in an exhibition game. Exhibition game or not, it mattered because Arkansas had six true freshmen that all played three of them started. And Texas is sitting there with 23-year-old men, and they went and took their lunch money against a team ranked 10 in the country. Then you look at Gonzaga Wednesday night, Bobby, you were there. Gonzaga, he still builds through high school more than the portal. And those second-year guards for Gonzaga got bullied off the court by guys that are older players, more experienced players. So I think what I I agree with Ian, I think it's just going to be different in the future. Because there's no excuse to be inexperienced if you're a Texas football team, not at every position, or a Texas basketball team. There's just not. There's no reason to be inexperienced anymore. The
1: only trick there, Jerry, is that um, at receiver, I think that's pretty easy. Yeah, there's, there's always guys that people miss that end up being exceptional receivers. Right. Cornerback is a little harder because there's only so many guys with like four, four speed or hips, you know. And there's not that many that slip through the cracks. So, like, you can't – it's harder to find an NFL corner in the portal. You can find a receiver in the portal without that much difficulty that will go for a 1,000 in a good offense if you're – you know, you got established pieces. But, like, say, like, look at Nick Saban's Alabama this year. They are not living up to your uh, new expectation. They struggled struggled in the portal at receiver, struggled to replace the guys they had. and then defensively, they have some younger guys. They tried to go portal and quarterback. It hasn't quite worked out that well. They have young guys at cornerback. It just – I mean, they're not bad at quarterback. Well, so.
0: Alabama got – Alabama got an overrated player in the portal. Yeah. Jermaine Burton's not a great player.
1: Oh, they're, they're talking about somebody else.
0: No, no. I mean, not the receiver from uh, – The receiver from uh, Georgia that transferred to Alabama yeah. is not a great player. He doesn't – he's not – He's not a 4-4 guy. He's a, he's a I mean, he, he looks like more of a possession receiver, but everybody wants him to be more than that. I don't know that he is. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um,
2: I, I think I think it, the- it
0: matters who you get in the portal. Because te- there are guys that went to – I mean, not just – as good as Ryan Watts and even Quinn Ewers, the two stars that Texas got out of the portal, as good as those guys have been um, – you know a Jai Hall hasn't done much, Jalil Billingsley hasn't done much. So I think that there there has to be there has to be a a happy beanie I yeah. guess is the best way to put it. Um, I will say this from watching that game against Gonzaga, Jerry's right. They bullied him physically. Um but I looked out at the court at one point in time for Texas basketball and I was sitting next to a guy that's long time uh big basket Texas basketball guy. And I, we, all five of them were transfers. All five it was, it was Hunter, R- Serge, Barry Rice, Marcus Carr, Chris Allen,
2: Bishop, and, and, and Dylan Disu. Yeah. Oh, these, yeah. All five
0: of them. And Texas was all adults to your point, no baby face on that in that mm-hmm. group. Right. Right. Um, all adults had played at a high level elsewhere. I mean, if you could replicate that in football, I, 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 and Jerry, I, and Ian, you, you guys remember when Bill Snyder was at Kansas State in the two thousand in the aughts, not in the 2010s when junior college football kind of went down a tick after the, uh, the, the Prop forty eight stuff stopped and the minimum scores and all that, but in the aughts in the nineties, he would recruit thirteen to fifteen junior college guys a year. He was the portal before the portal, right? That's what I, That's what I'm saying. But can you imagine what college. would he do if he were if he were here today? How would he build that team? Like FSU did, just go hell bent in the portal and find fifteen adults that he adds to the other fifteen to thirty adults he's already got on the team, and all of a sudden he's got one of he's got an older team that he can mold. They've been coached, they're coachable. I I, I feel like I mean no. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that you should stop recruiting high school players. No. Don't, don't get me wrong, I would like to see Texas, you know, do five to ten a year at least in the portal. You get four or five – what would this Texas team right now look like if they had four better starters at any position right now than what they do if they have been more successful in the portal a year ago?
1: Yeah? I tend to think that, like, Lane Kiffin has got a pretty good portal strategy these days. His offensive line – high school kids that they develop over long years in the program. Agreed. And they're largely three-star guys, too, because it's it's all Miss. They save their powder for um, getting – Zach,
0: know, Zach talent, Evans.
1: Wiping skill talent out of the portal. Yeah. And I tend to think that skill talent translates easier because, you know, a receiver, a corner, it's all about one-on-one matchups. It's all about yep. just applied skill in space. You don't have to have as much chemistry except with your quarterback. You don't have to have a lot of – it's not a scheme dependent. You don't got to work with the linebacker or the defensive lineman in front of you. Um, I I tend to think that you can patch holes in, like, safety or linebacker or defensive line with a transfer. But I think it's a lot harder because of needing to know the scheme and the need for the kind of camaraderie and and cohesion. But at those skill skill positions, it's a – I mean, you – you bring in a guy that's been successful running the ball or throw, or catching the ball and even like a G5 level, and there's pretty high chance he's going to translate for you.
0: I, I'm also, Tyrese, Hunter, uh,
2: Tyrese Hunter in basketball is a revelation. So go, yeah. go ahead, Jared. I also want to say this. I think when you consider it a portal, I think getting a kid to stay on your team one year extra instead of going to the NFL is a portal. Okay? <laughs> I mean, let's say that. If you can get two of those guys a year to stay, then you're really starting to be in business and that is where NIL comes into play in college athletics i mean and, and there's do no- you mean guys like do you mean guys like marcus carr timmy allen christian bishop those types yeah yeah i mean yes getting those guys to stay an extra year through you know when nil presents that ability for colleges now i mean there's we can we need to stop dancing around all this stuff right i mean it is what it is so if you can get these guys to stay an extra if Texas can get a defensive lineman or two to stay there an extra year in college, that's like going to the portal. You're just going to the portal in your own program. Well, hey, or,
0: or you get a guy like Ryan Watts who's a two year starter as opposed right. to just a one year guy, right? And yeah. and all of a sudden now you have some some cohesiveness in the secondary, right?
1: That would be a priority if I were um, allocating. Uh, um,
0: allocating resources what's that code for ian (laughs) just attention you know
2: (laughs)
1: ryan watts is a guy that i would like to see come back if i were on the texas staff But here's the crazy
2: thing this is where we're at in college athletics i mean so it does no good not to talk about it i mean people are going to be doing it so all around the country so we may as well be real
0: yeah uh, Ian, uh, you look at te- Texas, and we talked a little bit about the defense um, and offense at the top of the show. Jerry joined us a, a little bit afterwards. What do you think the Texas defense uh, has to face in this this Kansas offense from an X's and O's perspective? What is unique about it uh, that kind of keeps makes defensive coaches kind of pull out their hair? I mean, they're averaging seven yards per play this year. That's just phenomenal. Really, really? Yeah, that's what, that's what, I, I think in conference seven yards. Wow. Um, well, that's not good. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can tell you that uh, Jalen Daniels is really good at um, play action and throwing on the run. That's how they yeah. beat him. It's partly how I beat him a year ago. He's really, really good at those. You know, those rollouts. He can throw on the move. He's got a really strong arm. Um, I don't know if any of their receivers are really that good, but they, uh, they scheme up good run-pass conflicts. And they're their tight ends have a combined eight touchdowns uh, between the two of them. So those guys get loose in the red zone and people lose track of them and they catch the ball and score or on a two-point conversion, as the case may be. So uh, they definitely they need to have their uh, linebackers and safeties very well drilled on all those route patterns so that they don't lose those guys.
0: Yeah, average of seven point three yards per play. That's that's amazing. That's what they have. Uh, on, I'm looking up college football uh, reference stats. Seven point three giving up five point eight. Um, so on total offense, S- averaging sixty point five plays per game, which is obviously not a ton. Like that a means Texas to maximizing
2: Tech. it. Wow. But
0: yeah. They're maximizing it, but what's happening, I think, is they're controlling the clock too, right? Because it's a it's a run based uh, kind of option uh, based offense. Um, I I think that people got to get used to. They're going to break some big plays. They broke big plays all year long in this offense.
1: Yep, it's a it's a little similar to Baylor's uh, in a wide zone, or kind of like um, Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. What they do is kind of similar to what Lapold does. He Sprinkles in more option maybe than those pro style guys do, but I, a lot of it, a lot of it is similar to that. They even have their. Um,
0: their but they run the quarterback more than Baylor. I mean, Baylor runs the quarterback a little bit, but Kansas yeah. runs the quarterback.
1: Yeah, yeah, they have more option, almost like more like with Bohannon, and even more still than than, than uh, Baylor did with Bohannon. Kind of okay. more like um, when Shanahan had a uh, RG three, kind of like that.
0: That makes sense. Up in Washington. I got you. Yeah. All right. Um, Hey, Jerry, we talk about recruiting. I want to I want to push to recruiting a little bit now uh, and talk about that. Uh, Texas had Anthony Hill on campus last week. I think that's the the one everybody's keeping an eye out now right now for the the linebacker of Denton Ryan. What is the latest on Anthony Hill and other news in recruiting uh, circles right now?
2: Yeah, I think that there's some confidence on the Texas side, uh, but there's a lot of recruiting left to be done as long as he as long as he'll maintain December 21st is when he's going to announce a final decision, which is signing day. Um, We'll see if that holds. Um, But I think I've heard anything but positive conversations since that point in time. And, And it's been that way. Uh, with Marcus Deal, uh, um, even Johnny Bowens, who I still think is probably an Oregon lean. We'll see. I mean, he stayed home the first time, but the, the, the conversations have been positive. And why wouldn't they be? It's still a great visit weekend. I mean, the atmosphere is unbelievable um, at the game. And, you know, if you're a different defensive prospect, you were probably pretty impressed with Texas, especially if you were a defensive lineman in that game, an interior guy. I mean, I spoke to somebody close to Marcus Deals. Recruitment, and they were like, Yeah, Marcus could see himself teaming up with Sadir Mitchell. I mean, so kids are when you got guys thinking like that, and that doesn't mean Marcus deals going to Texas for those watching, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting to the point of you know, the loss. I think sometimes the fans take it worse than the, the prospects do because they're looking at it different. A defensive lineman's probably watching the defensive lineman play. And seeing, okay, Texas is graduating two, three, or four of those guys are going to be gone, and I have an opportunity to come in and play. I mean, so these kids look at it different ways than I think the fans do, especially after a game or in the fourth quarter of a game. Um, I thought one of the interesting things this week, too, was I checked in on uh, Camorian Pimpton, the tight end out of North Crowley, committed to Vanderbilt. And I just said, you know, as asked somebody, is, you know, is Texas getting close to offering him? And the response I got was Texas was still waiting on Deuce Robinson. That was midweek. So Texas must think they have a puncher's chance. We'll see. I like Georgia USC more. But the fact that they didn't come right back and offer Pimpton on Monday tells you that they thought they had a pretty good visit and they're willing to stay in the fight there. Got it. Um, and, all, and, all, and also, look, taking three tight ends in a class out of high school is, I think, kind of risky business. unless. So there's also probably a little shift there as well. But still. That still Texas is still in the fight with Deuce Robinson. So they feel like they had a really good visit.
0: Interesting that te- tight end may be one of those positions that Texas wants to develop as opposed to yeah. go to the portal. Like Ian was talking about, I uh, got some questions from, from uh, folks. Now, please uh, uh, submit your questions. If you want uh, us to answer them and respond to them the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to be just Q and a uh, with you guys. We may uh, uh, roll off on a tangent here or there. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and get, get uh, going I, with them.
1: On a quick tangent real quick before.
0: Yes, you see. can.
1: <laughs> I, I think it be, I think it's really hard to get tight ends in the portal because in high school, the kids that are going to make for good tight ends are either not playing the position. Cause if you're big and long and physical in high school, they're not going to use you to block. You're going to be playing, you know, defensive line, or if you're skilled enough to be good on offense, you watch high schools these days. They're not lining those guys up to block except for like maybe a Katie, right? Alito, maybe. They're flexing them out and throwing them the ball. So they don't get a lot of practice at blocking. So if you want a good dual threat tight end, you got to develop them yourself. You got to teach them how to block like they taught J.T. Sanders and Gunner Helm. And if a kid is developed to do that at another school, there's just only going to be so many of those guys and, and it's going to be hard to get them, but
0: so, yeah, I think, I think
2: that's one. That yeah. I'm going to address the Cedric Baxter. Somebody, I saw that question pop up before we move yeah,
0: on. Emmanuel Villafranco wants to know what's going on with Cedric Baxter.
2: Look, we're going to say it every week on the show. Um, if Florida State and Florida, stop recruiting that guy with everything they have. They should probably be fired. It's not going to happen. Um Florida state will stay on Cedric Baxter until he signs a letter of intent as they should. He's the number one running back in the country in Orlando. That's a former Florida state commitment. Uh, I still maintain the same as I have and look, things can change in recruiting, but Baxter and his family have a great relationship with the short choice. Now, if Texas limps to the finish and goes six and six and FSU rolls nine and three and beats Florida, you know, maybe they grab some momentum in, in, in this recruitment, uh, but I still think that Shashard Choice relationship is really strong. Um, but again, if FSU were to give up, you don't throw in the towel on the number one running back in the country uh, that's in your state in Orlando, Florida, that grew up an FSU fan that was a one-time FSU commitment. You're recruiting the right guys if you have to fight all the way to the signing day. All right. I've got one. Uh, thank you, Jerry. i got one for Ian mm-hmm. that I want Ian to take.
0: And then I want – this is a good tangent for all of us, I think. Uh from kelp my bobby my problem is trevor lawrence caleb williams justin fields c she's a cj stroud all as freshmen came in and were all heisman finalists and i'm assuming this means as a um excuse uh of protection or shield of protection on uh quinn ewers and his ability as a freshman what is your response to that ian
1: i would say well first of all that's not actually true um uh, Caleb Williams, as a freshman, hit a wall and had some really bad games. That's why Oklahoma didn't play for the Big 12 championship last year. C.J. Stroud, redshirt freshman in the system and had also had some problems at the end of the year in the snow. And three first-round uh, picks at wide receiver, by the way. Three first-round picks at wide receiver. Um, I, I, do th- I did expect Quinn to be better, but also Texas runs a different system than some of those schools. Texas' system is a lot more complicated. Sark is accustomed to having older quarterbacks who understand where the leverage is created and all the formations. And frankly, I mean, we needed to see more from Ewers. I mean, Ewers has not been the uh, five-star in, in his performance, right? I mean, it is what it is. He's not, he's not been as good as expected been more inconsistent, um, hasn't really seemed to have the grasp that he needed to, to match those guys' success. Uh, and I think part of it is that the system is more complex. Part of it is that viewers hasn't done what he needs to do. Um, he hasn't had as much talent as any of those guys around him. I, I,
0: I, I'm going to say this. He's had as much talent on offense as those guys in some some respects. But Trevor Lawrence – I, I, no, Trevor Lawrence went into a loaded offense that had a loaded defense. Trevor Lawrence could turn around and hand the ball off forty times a game, and the game might end up twenty to seventeen. And he makes one one pass like Quinn Ewers did against Iowa State to win the game, and everybody's patting Trevor Lawrence on the back. I, that that that's my comment on this. Justin Fields, how many games did he play as a young? I mean, as a freshman at Georgia, he got well, yanked. And he got beat out by uh, what was his name, Jake Fromm. So I, you know, in Fields. I mean, how many games did they play that that games were even competitive? Uh, because their teams were so good, right? I, will, I, will, I feel like that's a that's a that's a little bit of a myth. Uh, is all I would say.
1: I will say though that Sark's offense is not geared towards maximizing five-star
0: freshmen. That's, you, you think it's because it's more complex.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even 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 as a run-centric offense in nature, to execute it properly, like the downfield throws require specific timing that are not easy. Like it's partly why yours are so exciting, is because he has this arm talent to potentially hit these windows that are hard to hit. You gotta understand all the formations and how they affect the defense and how that sets up your throw. Even if even if you're in a run centric offense where you only throw the ball twenty times a game. To really maximize those 20 throws, you need to understand the overlays between the run game and the formations and the defense and the defensive coverages to maximize. Uh, It's not like, you know, an up-tempo spread where you run four or five formations, four or five concepts, and you just rep them all day, every day, same things. So, um, I mean, that could be a critique or not of of Sark's system. I'm just saying it is what it is.
0: No, I, I think that's fair. I mean, it's it's more complicated and one of the reasons why it can be more explosive. All right, I, I've got to ask this question. Uh, I'm going to let Jerry take this one. Bobby, some media rumors that Bijan may come back next season.
2: Any truth? I mean, only if he's not getting good advice. <laughs> NIL or not, be damned. I mean, if you're a running back that's played three years, had a broken arm last year, um, go to the NFL if you're projected first round. Well, I mean, don't don't think about this. And people that are tie, try to tie it to Ricky Williams stayed four years at different times. I mean, uh, I, I, Ricky Williams' body was built to take a million hits and keep going. Um, only Ricky Williams stopped Ricky Williams from being a top three running back of all time, in my opinion. Uh, Bijan's not built like that. Um, Bijan has played three years. He is a great human being. Um, He has improved a lot. He's shown improvements. Look, I mean, I know NIL because the the thought is, well, these guys are making – guys like that are making a lot of money now so they can stay an extra year. I had somebody laugh at me about Dylan Mitchell last night that played in the NBA, literally laughed on the phone when I said it. So I'll go with Bijan's gone, and if he's not, he's getting bad advice. (laughs) Hey Jerry, how do you really feel? And if you want to see a <laughs> center Daxter flip, have Bijan Robinson announce he's coming back oh. the last after the last game of the year. Yeah, I don't think I. I'll. I'll let me answer this because they did address me. Uh,
0: I'll just say I think it's bunk. I mean, I don't think there's no chance. Uh, the question I have is whether or not he'll play in the bowl game, not necessarily whether he's coming back next year. Right. And I mean, you know, I,
2: here's, here's something I want to say about that because I think that's a great discussion. I love Bijan. I don't think he should play in the bowl game. And I and here's the thing: it wouldn't bother me if he didn't. Get Jonathan Brooks 20 carries in a game. Get him 20 carries. Let him have his first game and feel like a starting running back. Because that Cedric Baxter and him are going to compete for that job next year. And they're going to need them both. Um, and I think it'd be fun to watch. Um Jonathan Brooks carry it 20, 22 times in a bowl game and see how he does, because I think he'll surprise people.
0: Yeah, no, I, I get it. So this is another one. This this talks about the portal. I'm going <laughs> to let you handle this. Who are, we, who are we replacing Xavier Worthy with, Jerry? Well, Xavier <laughs> Worthy's not gone. Um, but apparently there's a rumor that maybe he's going to USC. I, I've checked into that. At this point, uh, I'm told that there's nothing on the table with Xavier Worthy and USC. And that he's expected back next season. Can that change? Could it change? Absolutely. I'm not trying to say, you know, put words in Xavier Worthy's mouth until he wants to come out and speak about it publicly. Uh, But that's what I'm told. Uh, I I feel like, and thanks, Chris, for the question. I don't think it's a bad question.
1: uh, Because Uh, you're you're right.
0: (laughs) The rumor is out there. Um, But I don't think it's gone so far as to who are we replacing him with at this point. Do y'all, Ian, Jerry, either
2: of y'all want to take that? <laughs> hey, look, 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 I'll say this. I mean, I'm going to say this for Xavier. We were just talking about Quinn having ups and downs, right? He's still a first year player in college football. If I'm Xavier Worthy and I'm really sitting back thinking about this, and look, these guys are getting recruited by their schools. Make no mistake about it. And it's going on every single way. Okay. It's happening. Um, he's a player that should look at his performance this year and say, I have unfinished business. Because the quarterback gets a lot of the blame. I get it. It's point guards, quarterbacks, everything. But the most disappointing player in performance on the Texas team this year for me has been Xavier Worthy to his talent level. He has unfinished business. And if he thinks about it that way, that's a smart decision.
0: Yeah, I I, I get it. I, I think that's all possibility, right? I mean, um, he's... He has short arms and balls. He's not been not made a couple of competitive catches or competitive uh, stuff, uh, that that sort of thing. Hey, uh, Ian, I know you follow the draft and, and players uh, a little bit. You may not be a draft Nick by any stretch, but uh, do you think there's any surprise departures to the NFL this year?
1: Well, I have to think through who's eligible, right? Um, well, I'll, I'll give yeah. you one. I got one, Jalen Ford. Yeah, probably not because, I mean, NFL teams are not uh, falling over themselves to, to draft linebackers in the early rounds who are not pass rushers. He's um, he's he's exactly he's like the ideal college player in that he could be really good, but he's not going to get some draft grade that makes him look like he just want to bolt out of town before he's played you know four years. To be an inside linebacker that gets drafted in the first or second round, you're talking about, you know, you gotta be
0: they gotta it's, impact it's, the game like Harold Perkins did with four sacks. Yeah, you
1: gotta be a pass rusher, you or you gotta be like a, a Leighton Van Der Esch when you're like 6'4, 240 and you can run 20 miles an hour, you know.
2: Oh. I got one. And, and so for the fans listening, don't take it the message boards and said Jerry said the guy's leaving. But this is a question. I I look at Alfred Collins. Okay, and people can laugh at that, but here's the thing. I know Ian's laughing at this, but think about it. If that he decided he was coming out this year, he'd go test well, he'd look great, and workouts would be tantalizing, and somebody might draft him in the seventh round and put him on their practice squad. And people don't think that is the NFL. You I mean, these guys um, are taking basketball power forwards that haven't played football since they are in middle school, and they see the upside, and they're developing those guys. And – Alfred Collins has not played nearly up to the level I thought he would or probably anybody that recruited him. But to say it's out of the question, look at the NFL. It's not out of the question. Jerry, though, wouldn't you say usually –
1: sorry. It's It's (laughs) Usually when a kid that's like a defensive tackle goes and gets drafted in the seventh round when he has eligibility remaining, there's often a reason he didn't come back, right? Yeah. Grades or whatever. So I mean, that that could be a surprise, as if somebody decided that they didn't that they were done
2: with school, or, or if somebody came back unexpectedly and the snaps aren't going to be there for them.
0: How about this uh, question for you? Um, think about the rest of the guys on the roster and their uh, NFL draft stock. Let's just take take a take the seniors and maybe. Bijan, I don't see him. I'm going to say this. I think athletically he's a first round pick. I don't necessarily think he's a NFL first round pick. And I'm going to say that because I think that he still lacks in pass protection. He's got everything else in spades, but um, I I could see him slipping out of the first round because, because of that factor. Um, We'll see. Uh, I know that that's going to be counter to what a lot of Texas fans think, but um, I, I feel like he has some real, Things to address in his game there, uh, but other than that, Jordan Whittington, do y'all think he's a pro football player? Let's
1: I think just go down think, the group. I think he'll stick in the pros. I don't know if he'll get drafted very high. I mean, because the things he's good at, like he's good at finding space, he's good at blocking, he's good at special teams. Yes, and burst. Uh, I guess his hands probably. I mean, I don't know if he'll be drafted. Just, Catch think, radius.
0: Catch radius is the issue with him as much as hands.
1: Yeah, but I kind of think I kind of think he'll be like a seventh rounder free agent that sticks just because he's he's athletic and he's tough and he has the right approach.
0: Maybe he's Marcus Johnson. Somebody like that, right? Marcus is a little bit more of a deep threat outside guy. But um I, I agree. I think I think that people I think that people will be surprised by how fast Jordan is. He'll run
2: fast. Yeah. yeah. I think that people will be surprised by that. And that may push him up a little bit. Um, all right, his, his, whole, his whole deal in draft status is he going to check out medically with people? I still think he's he'll stick on a practice squad and get a chance for sure in the NFL because I think he can play special teams like Roshan Johnson. Physical football players play special teams successfully in the NFL, and I think he's got that.
0: Um, here's a name for you just staying on offense. The only other uh player on offense that I think we can mention, Roshan. Uh, but I think everybody thinks he's a second, third, fourth round guy, probably somewhere in there, maybe fifth. But he's gonna—he's a guy that's probably gonna stick on a roster, no different than Malcolm Brown has uh, the running back for you know a decade almost. But uh, the other interesting one to me on offense is Christian Jones. Does he have a chance to to do this? Is he a guy that comes back for another year?
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. He's the kind of guy Jerry mentioned earlier where if he comes back, those snaps may be a little harder to come by. Um, I mean, he'd probably start again, but then it's like he tweaks his ankle once and misses a game, and then they never look back. So um, I, kinda, I wish we had seen him at guard at Texas. I think if he sticks in the NFL, it'll be as a guard. I don't think he's going to stick outside. But uh, I, I bet he'll get a chance because he's so big, and he looks like an NFL player.
2: Yeah, I, I would suspect he's a practice squad guy, development guy at the worst. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that
0: they've got guys. It's just they don't necessarily have those top end uh folks other than uh, than uh Bijan really. Uh on defense, Keandre Coburn. I would have you would have asked me this question a year ago this time. I was at Keandre Coburn in the NFL, and I literally may have just laughed. And I'm not trying to be rude to Keandre. He just hadn't shown me anything in two in three years. This year's it's a different story with him.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've seen very, pretty varied opinions on his grade, but I'm sure he'll be drafted.
0: Yeah, yeah I good. mean,
2: obviously, that's going to be a big scheme depending on who drafts him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Big yeah, I and mean, that's fair. Uh, what about uh, a guy like potentially Tavondre Sweat? I think he's got... I think he's got the highest upside of all the, the D linemen based on I mean Alfred Collins does athletically, but when you combine production and physicality and in athleticism, he's the guy, right? I mean well he's
0: he's, the, he's also the guy that looks like he swallowed an oak barrel. You
2: know, he's got <laughs> yes. that natural
0: Yes. I mean, he's got the barrel chest that everybody looks at and said, Okay, you're a
2: defensive lineman. All right. I mean, right. Big trunk. I mean, just you know. I, by, by the way, I think I think something big. Not that the other guys don't have it. Don't get me wrong on the staff, but I mean, Bo Davis has a lot of experience. If, if that guy, if that guy gives those guys a stamp of approval, that's going to mean something as well. I mean, yeah. Bo came straight from the Lions. He was coaching d line in the NFL. He's coached under Saban. He's had him. He's coached him. He's developed him. Uh, he's developing these guys. So when they start asking questions, the guys that he puts that big check mark by that helps him.
0: Probably the the one name that draws the most um the widest chasm of responses. <laughs> okay, from a positive to a negative on this defense is DeMarvian Overshone. Because you you look at his you look at some of the plays, you're like, wow, this kid's superhuman. You look at others and you're like, wow, he's not very strong at the point of attack, right? I mean, there has got to be a wide birth on what people think of what he can do in the NFL. Uh, Ian, you, you kind of, you kind of nodded your head and like, yeah, you agreed with that. What, what are your thoughts on overshown as an NFL player?
1: There's really no player that gives NFL NFL draft guys more fits than the overhang outside linebacker guy that cannot play man coverage in the NFL cannot rush the pass around the edge in the NFL it doesn't really know how to play inside linebacker and take on blocks in there and read flow and play fast. And Overshone should have been an overhang at Texas, but they played him at weak side linebacker because they didn't have anywhere else to put him. Um, and he's gotten better at it, but he's still an overhang kind of guy where it's his specialty is sitting back and then just a racing space. That's just not gonna work in the NFL. He's gonna have to learn a lot. There's a reason he's stuck at Texas as long as he has, and it's not and it's that, it's that his draft future is so murky. So uh, I, I imagine somebody will take a chance on him, but he's got to get thicker. He's got to get faster still at reading defense, at, sorry, reading offenses. Um, and he's not really natural at taking on blocks. I, I just, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I bet he, he probably won't stick in the NFL. I don't want to doom anybody. I like Overshown. He's been fun to watch, but it's it's a tough fit for him.
2: I got a question on that one. Is Dil- Dylan Moses is not on the NFL roster, correct?
1: I
0: have to look.
2: I don't. know. I, I, just think about that, and when, yeah. with what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Dylan, Dylan Moses is a had an NFL body, hellacious athlete. Did not have instincts for the position. At the end of the day, did not have instincts for the position.
1: He is not on a roster.
2: Not on a roster. So yeah. that's line right what, three-year starter at Alabama inside
0: linebacker? Hey, uh, um, hey look, here's the one that I have the biggest question about because I don't know if he's fast enough, and that's Anthony Cook. So when I think of safeties in the NFL, I think of guys like Adrian Phillips. Those are the guys that that get by because they're just fast enough, just strong enough, just smart enough. Anthony Cook, I think, is smart enough and strong enough. I'm not sure he's quite fast enough. What do y'all think?
1: I think he might be. I have Blake Gideon. Blake Gideon would say this, but Blake Gideon will tell probably has told Cook and will tell you that uh, there's a lot of 4 8 safeties in the NFL who know their business and they get where they need to be because they, they just see, they see the field well. It's a little bit easier in the NFL too because you, you don't have the wide hash marks. So the safeties doesn't have to position himself quite. It's it's a little easier, is what I'll say. You can play with more depth, and so I, I think he has a chance to stick. He's not going to be, um, you know, I'm drawing a blank on the better safeties in the league right now. He's not going. You know, he's not. He's not quite as skilled as 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 a uh, Phillips was. He could play man coverage in the nickel. He's not going to be, you know, Troy Polamalu, Ed Reed, but yeah, I think he could stick and play for a while.
0: Interesting. I I, I hope he does, because I think he's definitely he's one of those guys that, for whatever reason, I think has improved as a player incrementally his entire career. I mean, he he came in with a lot of ballyhoo, but didn't really play up to that high ranking, but started all last year at at a position most people didn't think he was going to do well at at the nickel, made a transition to a new position this year has been a starter and a key part of the defense. Um, he's a guy that I'm actually rooting for because I think as a a guy that's, you know, 50 plus years old, like I am, you see guys that inc- improve incrementally. That means they're trying to work at their craft. It, it It's not like, okay, let's just, you know, throw it spaghetti against the wall. They're actually trying to go out there and, and figure stuff out uh, each and every day. I think that's, that's a good talk on the, on the, uh, um, NFL guys. I want to ask, Jay, Jay the activist asks, what's the
2: difference from Jordan Whittington and I'll Devin DuVernay? You go for it, Jerry. Devin DuVernay ran 10-3 in high school and is built like a running back. And Devin DuVernay played, I mean, I think every game and wasn't really injured. Um, and Devin DuVernay, being around him at Under Armour game, getting him into the Under Armour game, he's very – he's been a professional since he was 17 years old. Just when you talk to him and th- that's the way Roshan is to me. Like when the- he goes in and sits down with NFL people, you know what their response is going to be? That guy could work in the front office one day. That's how Devin DuVernay is, the same way Roshan is. Yeah. I'll, I'll, again are, I'll just
0: say that <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of tough kids – play receiver at Texas, Jordan Whittington is one of them. Yeah. Being as tough as Devin DuVernay. Yeah, I mean, he he dude. knocked the crap out of Grant Delpit. I don't know if Grant Delpit has
2: ever been hit that <laughs> hard
0: since. Even Speaking in the
2: guys, Yes. How's Grant doing in the NFL? Yeah, he's
0: doing pretty good. But my, my point uh, on that is, is I think that there's that. And then the second point is Devin DuVernay as a senior had maybe the best hands of yes. any senior receiver Texas has had since David Thomas. Those two didn't, I don't know that Devin or David
2: Thomas dropped the ball their entire, their entire senior year. By the way, that that's a fun, that's a fun conversation. You led me into it, Bobby. What would Quinn Ewers look like with Duvernay and Colin Johnson out there? The guys that aren't dropping passes. Well, Probably well a bit better. <laughs> One more difference on Whittington and DuVernay is
1: a scheme. The Herman offense was all about the spread and the slot and the Sarkeesian offense plays Carrick in the slot. So it's pretty different. Uh, I think Whittington would have been awesome if he'd played in Tom Herman's offense in a healthy year at receiver, not running back. Um, He never got, never got the chance.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Awesome is relative. I don't think anybody's wishing to have Tom Herman back in.
1: No, in- but, well, maybe Whittington, right? Because, I mean, Duvernay caught like 90 balls.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I still don't know that that works um, for the folks in, that, that make those decisions. Um, qu- just thinking about this out loud, uh, and we're going to, to Texas talking about uh, some stuff, but I want to go back to the game this weekend and kind of close out with this and get y'all's thoughts on how this game in Lawrence is going to play out.
2: Jerry, what, what are your thoughts on how this game plays out? Um, I mean, I'll be honest. i I picked Kansas 30, 27. Um, just because I, I'm, I'm, in, I just am so much improvement mode. I mean, it's like one step forward, two steps back. And, and until there's two steps forward, I'm not jumping all in. Um, there needs to be something for me to get there. And that's just where I'm at. Um, look, Kansas is going to score. Uh, I think they're going to score more than TCU did. It's going to be a 30s. It's going to be, what, 25 in the second half of that game. Um, This is a game that I I look for for this. I mean, they're all the biggest game after you lose. But I I really think for Sark, this is a huge game. Um, This is one his offensive and defensive line need to come out and be easily the most physical 10 guys, nine guys on the football field from from the first snap of the game. This needs to be a game you come in and win physically and from the start if you're going to win it on the road. Because, I mean, look, I, Kansas is going to score more than TCU did.
0: Yeah, they, they don't have the, the the skill, talent on defense that TCU did, though, either. No, they don't. Um, so to your point, um, it, it was interesting. I felt like, and before, Ian, I get your your take on it, one of the things I found interesting that Sark said on Thursday in particular was that he's got to find, he's, he he recognizes that he needs uh, Quinn to find some easier throws basically uh, to get him more going as opposed to just throwing, throwing him to the wolves. Not that he tries to do that, but that's how it felt at times on, on Saturday against TCU. What, what was your take on that?
1: I think that's pretty interesting. I actually didn't, Hadn't heard that, but um, I think um, uh, <laughs> they adjusted to use the spread more late in the game against TCU. And that helped them a lot, just being able to throw a couple quick bubbles out to Jordan Whittington. Um, Kansas may be a little more vulnerable to some of their wheel routes and RPOs that they used successfully earlier in the year. Um, they don't have the same man cover. I-, I think there's a lot of things Texas can do to adjust. Um, that are pretty simple because of the nature of Kansas defense being four down instead of having drop eight, uh, not having as good a cornerbacks. And just the fact that TCU demonstrated you can load the box on Texas, Kansas is likely to do the same. And Texas probably knows going into this game what they're going to get. So I I think there are adjustments available to Texas. I think they are very likely to make those adjustments. And uh, I, I think they'll win. But, um, you know, you wonder about like the psyche, probably of Quinn Ewers in particular, how how confident is he? Is he really that unflappable? Is he going to go into this game and be confident that he can make these throws and beat this team? Or is he going to be a little downcast? Is he going to be a little bit rattled from the the struggles against TCU? So I'll probably watch Quinn. If Quinn can get going early, I think Texas will win. If Quinn is in a funk again, then, you know, all bets are off.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm going to give my prediction a second. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludeke. Uh, Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding your, you a business that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I did it myself. Uh, andy at myperfectfranchise.net if you're looking uh, to do something new with your life. So guys, I, I got to tell you, um, when I thought about this game, I uh, I felt like it's going to be a problem uh, for Texas to score with Kansas. I don't think anybody is completely stopping Kansas on offense this year. They're just not. Um, I mentioned the 7.3 yards per play. I feel like um, that is just, really really strong so the question not unlike what ian came up with is where does the texas offense go uh at the same time i agree with jerry in one thing first one to 30 wins i think i think 30 is kind of the number um because we're getting into the second half of the season and everybody every defense is now they know what the other team's doing they're taking away their number one that's what happened with texas and TCU, right? I mean, it wasn't just Texas that had problems moving the ball after TCU figured out what to stop. Texas stopped TCU after figuring out what to stop. They're all doing that this time of year. And I don't know that TCU or Texas or any team in the Big 12 has enough offensive firepower to really overcome that. So instead of being the early in the year, I want to say the first one to 40 wins between if these two teams played, right? Now I think it's the first one to 30. I did pick Texas to beat uh KU this week. They better Guys, either of you have anything to say?
1: They better. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Sark is not gonna get fired after year two, but uh you should you sure don't leave yourself much um uh much margin for error if you drop your first two games against Kansas. You know, even in it's not it's not old Kansas, but it's still Kansas.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that they've got a great offense and they're much better at home than they are on the road. That's for sure. You've seen that this year already. Jerry, uh, any last uh, final thoughts? I, I want to say one more thing about the, the basketball team before we go, if y'all don't mind. Um, you wrote in a group text to us on Inside Texas. Uh, you know, that's where we're at each and every day, but we have an internal group text going. Uh, that you think Texas has a chance, an outside chance to end up being ranked number one in the country at some point this season, based on what you see ahead on the schedule. You, you agree? Are you ready to say
2: that publicly, or did I just force your hand there? No, no, no. Absolutely, will. I mean, look, it, it, Texas has a home court advantage now. People saw that. It, they haven't had that. Um, and I, I mean, I'm full transparency. I mean, I'm friends with TJ Ford. T.J. Ford was at that game. I said, what do you think? He said, amazing. Wish I got to play in that one. I mean, so look, he's one of the all-time greats saying that, okay? Um, if Texas beats Creighton December 1st, I think Creighton's a little bit better than Gonzaga um, because Nimhard's little brother's the point guard at Creighton, um, and I think those kids have great heads for the game. But if Texas beats Creighton in a home-loaded non-conference schedule, then they play at Illinois at Madison Square Garden, December 6th. I mean, the reality is, if they beat Creighton, other teams are going to lose some games. I mean, Kentucky just lost to Michigan State. Kentucky and Gonzaga are playing Sunday. Will North Carolina lose a non-conference game? I don't know. But will Baylor? They play Virginia tonight. We, we'll see. But Texas is going to have resume wins if they beat Creighton at home. So they could, if they beat Creighton at home, they're going to be sitting there ranked in the top three. After If they beat Creighton. So you're looking at a team that can be ranked number one. I mean, it's not out of the question. Um, and look, I don't think we don't know what's going to happen, how it's all going to unfold. But people glossed over an exhibition game against Arkansas because it was an exhibition game. You don't beat people by 30 unless you're really good when, when a lot of talented teams are on the court. So they're really good. Um, they won by – they won convincingly in the first two games without shooting the ball well. Then they shot the ball well. They've shot the ball well against Arkansas and Gonzaga when they had to, when their guys were really up for those games. And they've blown them both out, but they have been at home. Um, if Texas beats Creighton at home and goes and wins in a neutral side against Illinois, then I'm not saying they're going to beat Baylor to win the Big 12, but I think they could be ranked number one headed into the Big 12 season.
0: Gotcha. I I, just, I was super impressed. Um About it. Uh, Before we go, one of our longtime listeners, uh, Rob, uh, is asking about Malik Murphy. And I want to get to that uh, one final time. Um, Look, uh, Malik is in a situation right now where he is behind the other guys. He didn't come in completely healthy. And I think that that slowed him down a little bit. He also has reworked his mechanics quite a bit this year. So I think that people um, it's not that he's not doing well. I don't necessarily see him transferring either. I haven't heard anything about him transferring out. Would it completely surprise me given Arch Manning's um, mid-year arrival? It wouldn't totally surprise me, but I have not heard anything. In fact, I've heard that he loves Austin uh, and likes the team. So um, beyond that, I don't have much more to say on on Malik Murphy. Ian, you have anything on that?
1: There's a chance that Malik Murphy plays a much bigger role in Texas football than people think. But it's not going to be in 2022, and it shouldn't be in 2023 either. But um, if he gave them a bridge here between Ewers and Arch, uh, people should maybe not be shocked by that. Got it. That's that's just what we've seen with Sark. He likes his quarterbacks to have a lot of time in the system where they get their shot.
0: Got it. All right. All right. Thank you all so much for watching this Longhorn live stream. We had a good time. Uh, Jerry and Ian, I appreciate you guys joining us. We appreciate the folks that uh, came out and watched and uh, talked to us. We, uh, More than anything, all three of these guys, myself included, we enjoy talking about Texas football, basketball, uh, baseball, recruiting. We like it all. So uh, please join us on InsideTexas.com if you get a chance. Uh, We're on there each and every day along with Eric Nalin, our publisher, Justin Wells, Uh, Joe Cook is up in – he's already up in Lawrence – uh, getting ready for the game tomorrow. I think Jake He's waiting outside of
2: Fog Allen
0: to try to get in tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to get into a game at Fog uh I don't minutes. blame him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a basketball game prior to the football game tomorrow. So uh, Paul Wadlington also, uh, a.k.a. Techs Tex, uh, with us as well. So, all right, for Ian, Jerry, and myself, uh, thanks for watching. That's been this week's Longhorn live stream.